We are going to begin, uh, I'm beginning today, uh, with what uh, Matt and Mark and uh, Ryan will be doing for a good little bit this summer, called Summer in the Psalms. And um, for uh, those of you who are looking around wondering, where's Mark? I don't know. (laughs) Well, actually, I do know. Uh, Our pastor and his family are doing what they've done for as long as they've been married, I think, uh, which is like 26 or 27 years, 27. And uh, they're at Hilton Head, and they're doing some vacation time. And uh, they need that, he needs that. And so I'm delighted uh, to have opportunity this morning to share with you. And then, Matt, I believe you have next Sunday, don't you? Another psalm. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 19. And I want to read the entire psalm for you because uh, we're going to find ourselves moving back and forth through that psalm. Uh, and it's one of those gripping psalms for me uh, that, has, that has, is and has shaped my life in terms of my pursuit, my desire to know the depth of what it means to declare and to understand the glory of God. Listen uh, to David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens... He has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a groom coming from the bridal chamber. It rejoices uh, like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden from its heart. Now listen to, to him change gears. And he says, The instruction of the Lord is perfect. Renewing one's life, the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. And the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and in fact, sweeter than honey, which comes from the honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them. There is great reward in keeping them. And then, for some of you and for me, David just messes up. He gets really personal. You ready for this? Who perceives? Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults or sins. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule over me. Then I will be innocent and cleansed uh, from blatant rebellion. That's not where we usually start. 
we usually start with the last verse and ignore uh, the other two above it. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? I want to go back to that very first verse for a moment or two, if I, if I may, and just uh, have us look at that. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims the work of his hands. I want you to take a look at a, at a statement that, that I've just placed for us to contemplate on uh, for a few moments, uh, uh, this is profoundly uh, a, a profoundly simple phrase uh, that that uh, David is using, and yet the psalmist takes us to a breathtaking place where the wonder of God, the worship of God, and the word of God both collude and collide. A lot about collusion, isn't it? Ain't no Russian collusion in this. Uh, I want you to understand that what he's dealing with is this reality that the glory of God in all of his grandeur and all of his might has come. It, It has come in full force. And honestly, it presses me Uh, to try to assume or find a more definitive word. What do we mean when we say and talk about the glory of God? What what is the definition that you are thinking of? Well, uh, if we'll just put up on the the screen, there are some words that that came to mind as I was studying through that helped me. I I want you to look at those. I I won't read them all for you. Uh, What would you add to those words? Defining, describing, and intensely identifying what it means when we declare we are seeking to know and experience the glory of God. Well, I can think of a couple. I think about holy and holiness and sovereign and sovereignty. I do think about majestic and mighty. Those are words that that come to mind, but perhaps the the pinnacle of that, when I think about the glory of God on full display, I think more in terms of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and and, and our our redemption. Others have sought to... uh, explain wise men from old. Uh, Let me see if I can help us understand that are these wise men's mantra. For instance, uh, John Piper has said, uh, God is in a class by himself. He has infinite perfection, infinite greatness, and infinite worth. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote, The glory of God is something which no man can define. The glory of God is his essential and ultimate attribute. It means his greatness, his splendor, his majesty. 
the real trouble with all of us is that we do not know God. Now, I can tell you I've preached long enough to know when anyone, including myself, makes that kind of declaration, there are always the Pharisees who says, well, what right do you have to make that judgment? Excuse me, sir. I didn't make that judgment. Take it up with the Father. Because what we know is that we, we find it practically impossible uh, to wrap our minds around a phrase that seems so simple and yet is so complex and powerful and moving. And, and when, when we hear a man like Martin Lloyd-Jones describe the grandeur of the glory of God and then say, we can't wrap our minds around it because perhaps... We do not know God. Scripture really struggles with this. I love John chapter 11, verse 4. The backdrop of that is, you know what the backdrop is, I'm absolutely certain. They had sent for Jesus, Mary and Martha, and he did not show up on time. Their brother Lazarus was really, really, really sick. And so he delayed his coming, our Lord Jesus. And frankly, when he got there, I visited in homes where this was the same kind, the same kind of welcome I got in the home. So where have you been? Why haven't you come sooner? And that's them. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I I want you to know we expected you to do. You've spent the night in our home. But aren't you glad for Jesus? He didn't. He did not respond to them. Uh, But here's what he said. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness shall not end in death but is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. There, there's that glory of God thing again. Well, I, I want you to look at Hebrews 1.3. I think it's on the screen as well. Just follow it. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making uh, purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The psalmist David, John Piper, Martin Lloyd-Jones, the Lord Jesus, author of Hebrews, are all taking us to a place of understanding so that we may, as we stand in the presence of this wondrous and wonderful God who loves us beyond measure, can declare our desire, our hope, our, 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 our need in, in the depth of my life 
is to know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, and to understand that in him and through him there is the glory of God expressed in the Lord Jesus. So I want us to just look for a moment at this psalm. David is really brilliant in unpacking it. He says, man, I'm going to tell you, you want to catch a glimpse of the glory of God? Well, the heavens declare his glory. He's talking about creation. He's talking about creation. Uh, Paul would say to the church at Rome, because of his creation, his creative dynamic, because of his hand in creation, there is no way to not know That there is a great God in this universe. And I think about that. I mean, I never look west and see the sun begin to set in Jacksonville, Florida, without thinking, oh, there, there is an expression of the glory and power of God. I, I... I never, now this will shock for all of our students. You may ask your mom and dad about this, uh, but seeing the sun get up in the morning. I know that'll be a new experience. When you're old, you're going, oh my goodness, isn't that pretty? No, no. If you can get to the edge of that ocean, and watch that sun get up out of that water and take shape and give morning a shape. At 9, 19, or 109, you go, wow, there is the glory of God. I, I, we've had a lot of practice now in the last month. I never hear that rolling thunder now rolling in every day from between three and midnight out of the west. And it shakes my house. Or be awakened at 2.30 in the morning and the lightning is playing all over my backyard and I'm going, wow, I, I see the power of lightning and I hear the voice of God in that rolling thunder. Creation declares the glory of God. Peggy and I uh, some years ago had, we were on a trip with a group of students in, in uh, Pennsylvania doing one of those summer missionary deals in a new church plant And we decided, all of us, we were going to go to Niagara Falls. We had a young man who had been born blind, probably one of the best musicians uh, I I know anything about. He loved the harmonica and did some pretty cool music with harmonica. Not only, I, I really like harmonica and the street musicians in New Orleans, and I go do sometimes on Saturday morning on the back porch when it's not 109 degrees 
and I'll just take my iPad and hunt for street musicians who has a featured harmonica player. And I just listen. Take me away, country roads. Love that music. He did a little bit of all of it, all the hymns, and did some pretty sophisticated music. Brilliant kid. We went to Niagara Falls. He can't see a thing. I could see everything. I'm standing by that rail. I am mesmerized by the thunder of the water. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm holding onto that bar around that rail, and I'm listening, and I'm watching this massive waterfall. And I, 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 can't, I can't wrap my, my head in, and he, he's standing with me. And I called him by name, and I said, oh, man, I wish you could see. Do you want to know how stupid a pastor was at that point? Oh, I wish you could see. And if you could just see. And he'd had enough of that. He was holding on that rail with both hands. And here's what he said. I wish you could feel what I feel in the vibration that suggests there's power and and there's stuff here. I can't wrap my mind or I wish you could have the tentacles that goes out to capture all of it. The creation. I could go on forever with that. But I would say to you, the glory of God is captured and demonstrated in creation. But there's also another side to that. If you look at verse 7, and that's that the glory of God is declared through his word. Listen to verse 7. The instructions of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. So he's saying the word of God is perfect. Here's what David says. I just, I just want to summarize it for you. David says, God revives the soul. He makes wise the simple. He enlightens the eye. He endures forever. And he is altogether righteous. And so I want you to see on the screen a declaration. He says, God's glory is demonstrated in creation and God's glory is declared in his word. So I have two witnesses to this truth. The hand of God in creation. The hand of God in Scripture. But then I'm at verse 12, 13, and 14. And here's where I want to stay for a few moments because he gets awfully personal for us. Listen to what he says. 
who perceived his unintent who perceives his unintentional sins cleanse me from my hidden faults i i, I want to leave it just there and then i want you to see what he says cleanse me from my faults cleanse me from my sins cleanse me from my shortcomings then he nails three profound issues now i understand we don't like to be interrupted when we are in a euphoric st- stage of all the glory of God. Can I tell you again? In creation, he demonstrates his glory. Through the word of God, he declares his glory. And through the lives of his saints, people who are surrendered completely and totally to his will and purpose, he makes known his glory in the rubble of life. Do you hear what he said? Cleanse me from my unintentional sins. Do you know what that is? Those are the blind spots in your life, in my life, that unless we have a brother or a sister, or unless the Holy Spirit of God comes in great power and revelation and says, are you aware of those issues that are in your life? The un, you, you don't intend for them to be there. The, they are there. Unintentional sins. That's what David said. The blind spots. But he didn't stop there. He said, also, have you considered the hidden faults or uh, the hidden sins? Now, I want you to be careful with this. Baptist are professionals at this one. I just want to be careful. What's behind the secret place in your life and in mine? Behind door number one, door number two, door number 200, hidden Sins. Sins that we, w- we don't want to deal with. And they're pressing you down. They're weighing you down. You're carrying a ton of ba- baggage you do not need to carry because you are a born-again follower of Jesus Christ. You've chosen to lug this rotten luggage, this terrible luggage, this weighty luggage, this hindering luggage, this this luggage that you think no one knows about, but many do, and and, and you are struggling to say, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to give that up. I, 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 hidden sins. Oh, but then you get to the, the one that grieves the heart of God. In the Old Testament, David said the willful sins. Are you aware that in Old Testament theology, there is no sacrifice for one who willfully, deliberately, intentionally disobeyed God? You have to come all the way to the cross to find 
the quote propitiation, big word like grasshopper means satisfaction, someone to pay that sin debt. And Jesus did. Now we start with verse 14. May the word, it's, it's not a benediction. It's not a little, little prayer you want to say over a lot of people. It is a prayer that only comes legitimately out of lips and out of lives who have dealt with the unintentional, the hidden, and the willful sins of their life. Now let me show you that. Just take a second. On the one hand, you have David. As he declares for us, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. You have Paul in Romans 6, 3.23 and 6.23 saying, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You have Hebrews 1.3 saying, And Jesus is the radiance, the perfect and glorious expression of the grace and love of holy God. And so when we struggle at this level, David is struggling. He is sitting in the middle of the Word of God, looking at the creative hand of God, and he's saying, but there is unintentional sin, and there is hidden sin, and Lord, there, are, there is willful sin. What do I do in order that I may know the glory of God? Boy, that's what I want to know. So can I take you just away if Paul is right, all of us have sinned, and he is. If Paul is right, the wages of sin is death, and Paul is right. If it is the heart desire on the part of David to be free from unintentional sin and willful sin and hidden sin, and that is his holy desire, and that's ours. Not because we're good, but because Hebrews says Jesus is the exact, he is the radiance. That means he is, he is the brightness, he is the beam out beaming or the splendor of the Father's glory perfectly displayed. So let me see if we can put it all together. Creation and Scripture Declare the glory of God. We see that Jesus is the radiance, the exact outbeaming, the exact image of the living God. And oh, 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 by the way, Paul said to young Timothy, 1 Timothy 4 12, Timothy, I want you to be an example of the believer. That word is tupas meaning an exact replication of Jesus. 
So if I see the glory of God, sit in the middle of the word of God, understand Jesus Christ is his, his revelation of hope. Is it not possible that if Mandarin and Northwest or Northwest St. John's County remains a town, a village, an area separated from the Father? Does it possibly, could it mean that you and I, hear me, are the tupas, the tupoi, the example See him in creation. I don't want you to miss this. Revel with him in the word of God. Revelation. I know that I find forgiveness and hope because of what he did for me on Calvary. Then does it not mean that church is not something we do? It is who we are and we are to be the express image of the living Christ for those who are in the rubble and without hope. Is that true? Then can you, can you answer me? What do we need to do? I was praying and struggling with this section. I, I can tell you when I've struggled as hard in understanding the holistic approach to what God is doing in David's life, expressing it through, through the life of Jesus as well as the life of Paul and then on, the, on through the life of Timothy until I got to a, a, a quote by a lady by the name of Nancy DeMoss. Here's what she said. If you're going to deal basically with your unintentional, hidden willful sins, then here's, here's the quote. Brokenness is a must. Broken, brokenness is not a feeling. It is not an emotion. It's a choice that I make. It is an act of my will. It is a lifestyle of agreeing with God about the true condition of my heart and my life as he alone sees it. Listen to her pounding final conclusion. And she said, it's a lifestyle of unconditional surrender of my life to God. Where does that begin? We, for all practical purposes, decided we are too sophisticated for what the Old and New Testament calls an altar. Little people, ignorant people, people of little education, not refined people, not good people, 
excuse me, there is none but the good but the Father. Did you forget about hidden sins? Unintentional sins? When we degrade and eliminate the altar where I can just simply in the presence where God and God alone is my audience lay my life out before him and say, Father, you know the unintentional, you know my blind spots, send me men and women who love me enough not to hurt me, but love me enough to share with me those things I need to confess, agree with you about. Oh God, would you send someone along who will help me find release and relief from these hidden sins? And Lord, would you let me and, and give me power and strength and grace to open every door, invite you in for a house cleaning of my life. And oh God, I promise you, under your leadership, I will get clean uh, through the for confession and forgiveness and repentance of those willful, disobedient moments. But oh God, I want to know your glory. I want to know you and the power of your... I need to know your glory, Lord God. And it begins here, now. Would you pray with me? Father God, I pray I pray for those who really, really do need to come today, who need to say yes to you, who need to confess their sin, who need to find hope, who need to find help, and who need to find you. So, Father, we we commit to you this altar as a place where we can freely experience your forgiveness, your mercy, and your grace. And so I'm praying, Father, that you would move among us and you would touch us. You have walked in to our worship time where we're beginning to deal with the heaviness and the glory of the Psalms. And I'm so glad you're here. And here's what I'd like to say to you. There are places for you all the way from one side to the other to come and kneel. To just say, Lord, I've just about had it with my stuff. I really want to be used of you to impact as young Timothy impacted his community, his world, as a living example of the glory of God. And I want to be pure, and I want to be clean, and I want my my sins confessed up to date. If you'd like to find a place where just you and the Father have time to share in this need,
we're going to stand in a moment and sing, and the music is going to be wonderful. But what's going to be really wonderful is in brokenness and repentance, we find this altar and say, God, it begins with me and not with my pastor and not with my, not with my husband, not with my wife, not with my children. It begins with me, Lord, and I want to lead the way for your glory. You may need someone to pray with you. I can tell you there are folks in here, Matt and I will not only pray with you, but we will also find folks in this room who will just spend as much time as as you want. We will not embarrass you. We will not hurt you. We will not ask off-the-chart questions. We will do what we promised you we would do. That is, we will pray that you can find a moment of peace and hope, forgiveness and cleansing, that you may embody and see the glory of God. So, Father, move among us in Jesus' name. Amen.